0: Speaking of getting booked, this podcast is about one thing, getting booked to speak more. Whether you are an established speaker or a newbie, we want to see your career take off. Hundreds of speakers are hired every single day and you are next. Let's jump in with your host.
1: Matt Browning. Hey, welcome back to Speaking of Getting Booked. It's your host Matt Browning. We are here today with uh, with a pretty dynamic uh, promoter and business owner, and we we're going to talk about, of course, all sorts of speaker tips, tactics, ways to get you booked on more stages. That's what the show's about, and you already know that. I'm here today with Tracy Shirk. Tracy Shirk is an HR professional. So she's worked in HR for years with some huge names due to confidentiality with her clients. We can't list any of the names, but I promise you, several of them you will have heard of. Um, She's a super innovative HR professional committed to putting humans first and achieving customer engagement and profitability goals through authentic and concise HR solutions. This is cool. She works with nonprofits. She works with union, non-union organizations, healthcare, manufacturing, education, retail, construction, literally any kind of a business from uh, solopreneurs all the way on up. Everyone needs a piece of retail or a piece of HR. So Tracy does that as her full-time consulting is speaking. Here's what's great though. We're bringing her on the show because in addition to that, she also uh, runs a chapter for the eWomen Network in Beloit, Wisconsin. D e l o i t. You know, it's a huge city. Everyone's heard of it. Um, second only to New York. Now, it's a small town, but. Um, it's a really, really cool growing chapter, Beloit, Wisconsin, and we're close by cause I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I love connecting with the, uh, the Wisconsin, the Midwesterners. She's also a speaker for prior learning systems. So we're going to talk a lot about, uh, all the different elements that she's been as a speaker, but also as a promoter. And she's promoted and done a ton of fundraising events for nonprofit companies, anything from small living room events up to, you know, golf tournaments with hundreds of people, and we're going to talk about how each one of these kinds of events work and how you can be a part of it. Tracy, man, what an open. Welcome to the show. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks for having me on this morning.
1: Man, I'm so excited to jump in with so much to uh, just so much stuff to, to get into. So you, well, you're a speaker yourself, you're a consultant, yes. and you also, I would classify you as a promoter. You're also someone who runs events, puts together events in a variety of different kinds. How, how do you see yourself? What do what you first
0: So first, I see myself as that connector. You know, I'm always really curious about an individual's story and what are they looking for, right? Because in my back pocket, I typically have the resources to help them to solve that problem, whether it is something HR-related where, you know, my organization can step in and assist or it's a stage that they can speak on or it's a connection to move them forward to meet their goals.
1: Hmm. So if you're primarily a connector, I mean, to me, it's like, it makes perfect sense that a connector person, I met you know, so many of them, I'm one of them as well, um, that yeah. they would promote and have their own you know, organization or they'd have their own platform because they're always, you're always connecting out with people. What made you... Well, let's talk about how you got started. So what was the first either speaking or promotion, a business or enterprise uh, engagement that you did? Were you speaking first or did you promote and put on events first?
0: Um, You know, so in my career, which is human resources, in HR, you do so much training. So I remember the first time I had to get up in front of a group of employees and do um, an employee training, and I'm so nervous about it, even though they were my staff, right? And from that, I really fell in love with the training piece, and that just naturally led into speaking, Um, And then in my roles, as they developed, it moved from HR into fund development and into marketing. So with that, it was naturally um, planning events for organizations. So the two really fell hand in hand together. So whether it was I was organizing and emceeing events or I was the one who was you know, on the stage speaking. But what really sparked that is my grandmother um, started a group called KFAD, Kids Fun and Drama, when I was probably in fifth grade. And what her passion was is ensuring the individuals could get out of their shell and really speak on stage because she saw how important that was later on in life and in a career. So that was really the first time I was on a stage. I was probably fifth grade and I was in a show called Clowns. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now was this a nonprofit or was this just kind of a neighborhood organization she did?
0: Um, it's it was it was and is a nonprofit. It just celebrated its thirtieth year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So anyways, yeah.
1: <laughs> That's phenomenal. So you got up on stage and did you were you a kind of speaker that you liked it right away or did you have to get over like yourself and you know nerves and confidence and all that sort of thing. Because a lot of people oh, think you know, speaking is <laughs> easy or, or it's hard, but I, I don't know. I think each of us have our own story with it. So you hated it at first.
0: I did. I did. And I think it was a self-confidence issue, right? And then the more you go about doing it, it's like, oh, I kind of like this. And I like this because I could see the eyeballs light up in the audience. And when I could see what I was doing was having a difference and making an impact on someone else. It was kind of like, oh, I can do more of this. Then you start to get addicted to it, right? And it's like, oh, how else can I help? How else can I connect? What are those questions that they have that I can serve?
1: Yeah, and tell me a little bit about when you got into the nonprofit organizing. And, and i like to start um, really, you know, jumping into again, like you're listening to this right now, um, our listeners are speakers. So you want to get booked on a stage more. So let's talk about the nonprofit sector. Let's just say, um, I've spoken for a nonprofit. One of them is, um, a project management Institute, PMI, and they mm-hmm. have, you know, uh, local associations all over the place and they have speaker budgets. So I got half my fee. It was, I, I guess I'll keep it confidential, but it was a significant fee still like more than Usually, I'll get paid in, in other areas. Uh, but here's a nonprofit organization running a one-day seminar, and I got booked as a keynote. So nonprofits, whether they don't, the owner doesn't take the profit, but they do have budgets to put things on. What did you work with? Did you ever have a fundraising event that you did where you had a speaker budget? If you did, tell me a little bit about that. If you didn't, tell me, did you still have speakers? Did do they donate? And how did that work?
0: Yeah. So there's a couple different things here, right? So one of the nonprofits I work for is a community action agency. And there's times where we would bring in individuals um, to speak on a very specific topic or when we did large events. Now, a lot of times for the events, those individuals would be local individuals. Um, and this is great because if you're looking to start getting booked on a stage, look in your local area first. What are the nonprofits? What are the events that they do every single year that fit into very specifically what you do and then also like I speak with SHRM Society for Human Resource Management I've spoken both at the state level and at the local level um, with SHRM and it's a really great way to start getting out there in your area of expertise And some of those are paid, some of those are unpaid, depending upon how they're set up. But the key here is, if you're at an unpaid event, make sure that you have some way of collecting names, emails, lists—that really juicy um, giveaway—because you never know who's in the room and what stage you're going to get booked on next from that. And I agree with you that there are definitely speaker budgets. So, but you have to ask for them. So. Well, Especially, and
1: let's just for a quick second, I want to just real quick address what you said is, you know, we're, I'm a huge believer in, you know, there's three different kinds of speaking there's paid speaking, there's free speaking, there's platform or sales speaking. And to me, as a speaker, you got to, if, if you have all of those ability, you know, you start off, maybe you have to pay to speak. I've sponsored many events, i am sponsoring an event we're going to be at together next week. And it's going to pay off because you pay a little bit, but you get the platform and you get to sell something or or whatever it is, whether it's a split or et cetera. Um, but then free speaking is huge. You get to go speak for free and you can do some kind of a freebie, you can do a strategy session. And of course, the a lot of speakers think the holy grail is to be paid to speak. And that's certainly a, a great revenue source. But, you know, don't be too shy about staying away from the other ones because you can actually make a lot more in, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit, Tracy. Um, you can make a little bit more, sometimes a lot more by going in with a free or, or a sales uh, offer in the beginning and then bringing people through a coaching funnel or through events that you have and things like that.
0: Right. And when I do free events, so for example, I'm doing a free event next week. And when I'm doing that event next week, what I'm doing is I have a very specific income dollar amount that I'm looking for from that event. I'm not getting paid from them, I'm not selling anything from the stage. But based on who's in the room, there's going to be at least 35 people in the room. They are my target market. Um, So I'm enrolling them with a very specific offer, which is I have a four-part series um, that talks about HR, you know, how to set your HR foundation. And that's my funnel that goes right into, um, you know, my product, which are my foundation packages. And so, you know, I am very specific about how I set up that talk with the problem throughout the whole day I have the solution for. And I'm going to give them that juicy giveaway So I think that that's something that's really key is that, you know, hey, we're looking at, um, you know, we're looking at what that is and that that's what we're really offering throughout the day.
1: So let's let's go back to the nonprofits and the organizations local. So why? Why Why is it being a local speaker better? Is it easier to get them booked? Are, are the meeting planners looking for a local speaker? So I know like with, with TV and some of the media I've been doing, a lot of like, if you have a local hook, if you say, hey, I'm a business owner here, or there's an event that's in your local town, it's a lot easier to get the producer to book a segment. Whereas if you just say, hey, I'm some national person, it's there's not a, a hook for it. Why does a local hook matter and is it does it, in fact, make it easier uh, to get booked or to get yourself, uh, I don't know, I guess, uh, over with, uh, with the promoters?
0: Yeah. So local, it's much easier because you're known in that area, right? You're known because you live there, you work there, you raise your kids there, but you have also developed those relationships. So it's always easier to get booked with someone when you have a relationship. Um, But I'll also name, you'd spoken a little bit in the beginning about, you know, I speak for prior learning systems. And the reason why I did that is I wanted to get comfortable speaking on larger stages. So when I speak for prior, I'm in front of 60, 70, 30 people, right? Depending upon the size, even though I'm not necessarily booking anything with that, I'm getting in front of people and I'm getting my talk. So it is very concise.
1: So uh, I was going to save that till later, but let's talk about that now, real quick. So, <laughs> okay. in, in addition to promoting and doing the normal speaking you do, and I love this. What I, I wish I did this in the very beginning. Uh, I, I guess I did a version of it. So I, when I first started speaking, it was 2006. Um, I put on some of my own stuff, really, really hard. But then I worked for an NLP training company for a year as a trainer, mm-hmm. and I was really into neurolinguistic programming. That's what I started, you know, teaching and doing. But I worked for them, so he in you know, I had seminars, sometimes there was four people, six people, 15 people. It didn't matter because my favorite part was there was no risk because I was still going to get some kind of a base fee to go out. I was going to have my travel paid for because it's on behalf of this company. Now, I'm not going to sell my own stuff, but so what? I spent the weekend training and teaching this thing in a new city. Every All the expenses were paid, and then there was a commission if, if we sold any trainings. So some weekends, you know, I made 500 bucks. Other weekends, there was a few thousand dollars. But no matter what it was, I looked at the same as you, same as with prior learning systems. If, if I get to be an independent contractor for a training company, a seminar company, I'm going to get that experience speaking and selling in front of crowds where the failure is only truly feedback. It's only feedback, whereas if you're putting on your own event, you put your own hotel, you get your own promotion going and you get three people there, no one buys anything. Now you're like in the whole thousands of dollars. That's how I started. That was a big mistake. I'm glad you're doing this as well. Uh, Would you recommend people try to find a way to do that? And if they do, or if you do, what would be a first step to get your foot in the door with a company like Prior Learning Systems or or similar companies? Like How did you do it and what's your story with that?
0: Yeah, so my story is I just reached out to them. I just reached out to, you know, and, and I, just I, think, called him. I did. And I think that that's the key with anything. You know, opportunity isn't necessarily going to come knocking on your door. You've got to go find it and you need to set yourself at that table and play. Um, and that is incredibly important as a speaker, and that's incredibly important in business. If you want something, darn it, you got to go get it because no one's going to do it for you. Um, and that was a QA Prior, I called him and I sent him an email and I didn't hear anything back. So I called him and I ended up talking with Amy. Um, she is the one who, you know, does all the interviews and contracts with speakers. And, you know, we scheduled a, a you know, a Zoom meeting where we did essentially, a, I did a five minute training. Um And then from there, I went out and got certified. And so the key is you have to be a go-getter, right? You have to say, here's what I want. And, you know, is my end game to be, you know, a trainer for prior forever? No, absolutely not but it is to learn and to serve. I mean, I have so much fun serving in those rooms. And again, my reputation isn't necessarily on the line, right, priors is, Um, but again, it's the feedback. And the feedback for me has always been very good, but I'm learning, and when you can go and speak five days in a row for six hours at a time, You really quickly learn what's not working, what working, and you can quickly make those changes. Whereas if it was events that I'm booking myself, they're two, three months apart, and you've forgotten by that point in time what you learned the previous time.
1: So did you say six? How many times a week are you speaking with them, or how many times a month?
0: You know, it varies. So there's times where I'll, I typically only do five to seven a month. Um, But when I go, I'm doing five days in a row, or Three days in a row. And I'm speaking for, you know, it's 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Right? So. Oh,
1: so you'll so you'll do days in a row. And will it be different crowds every day?
0: Yeah. Or will it be the, yeah. Okay.
1: So they'll book you to be, like, in a town, and then you go one seminar after another, and then you're back home.
0: Right, right. So you go town to town to town. So, like, I did Grand Rapids to... Farmington Hills to, I don't know, somewhere else in Michigan, right? Oh, so, very
1: cool. So yeah. look, if you, if you want to, and also it's a, it's a cool excuse to, you know, you, you learn, you start traveling a little bit and here's one of the little secrets and you probably, <laughs> you would share this too. Um, you get booked into um, different hotels or if you end up getting flights, the thing with, with a lot of hotels and flights is all the miles have to go under the participant's name, not under the person paying for its name. So if you do it right, depending on the company, there's also a chance. You can bump your statuses way up, which makes travel a lot easier for you too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just absolutely. throwing
1: out those, you know, those little things we, we pick up over the years. Okay, so, so the secret, just a quick recap, is if you want to gain more experience, and if you're not getting booked for big stuff, one of the greatest things you can do is become just a good speaker. You know, There's no replacement for quality, and so find a place. I know another speaker friend who does the exact same thing. He's a phenomenal speaker. But in addition to his speaker training, everything he's doing, he also picked up a independent contractor consulting gig, just like you did with a similar company to prior. And he travels, he's gone two weeks out of the month and he loves it. So if you love travel or you want to do it more, what a good idea. What a great way to do that. Let's move into the nonprofit sector and let's move back to that. Um, So there's a nonprofit in my area. Let's say I want to get myself known or booked as a keynote speaker. One thing you said, I want to recap and then kind of dive into it. We talked about being local first, but the real reason isn't because they're looking for a local speaker. The real reason is because you can be more connected easier. So what are some places that you would do? Like, would you go to networking events? Do you attend Chamber of Commerce? Is that where you meet people? How do you stay connected? Or is it through one relationship refers another one, refers another one? Talk about that a little bit on how you can kind of ingrain yourself as a known speaker in your local community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple different things. And I'd say that there's no one best thing. It's definitely a combination of finding two or three and weaving them together, right? Um, And so joining the local chamber is so incredibly valuable. So it is.
1: You agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because they're connected to all the different businesses. And what I'd say is when you join the local chamber, don't just join the chamber, join their ambassadors, So when you become an ambassador for the chamber, you're connecting with other business owners and then you are seen as, and this is really important, is how others perceive you. Um, You're seen as a leader in that community. So you're going to all the ribbon cuttings, right? You're you're showing up in Beloit here, it's your your red sweater, right? You're showing up in your red sweater at um, the Business After Hours events. Um, And that's how you're meeting individuals. Um, because when you have a title associated with what you're doing, you're more likely to be introduced because then you become known. Um, so the, the chambers, another is a great one, you know, find the association that's very specifically tied to your profession. So for me, it's society for human resource management. I've been on the board on and off the board for over 10 years. Um, and, and see, that? I, I,
1: Now I've never even heard of the Society for Human Resource Management, but you, your whole career and in your industry is HR, and I love guys. Listen to this: like Tracy went out of her way and said, "What are the associations? What are the industry conferences? What are the groups that are all connected to HR?" And let me be a part of those things. And so, so second thing too is don't just attend the networking or attend the conference, but you said really a, join at an ambassador level or join at a at a higher level. Uh, Would you say volunteer, serve, really get involved with leadership in any way you can? And do you do that with all the associations or sometimes you just join and and be a part of it?
0: You know, sometimes I just join and be a part of it, but there's perks to that too, right? So um, a lot of times your membership is free or you get discounts off of a certification um, or you're introduced to others or you're seen as a premier speaker because of that. So you know, that's a key thing is, you know, it's not only joining. And I don't do that for all of them because quite honestly, time time is of the essence, right? So you need to really look at what is my return on investment by joining this organization? And what's the return on investment by stepping into a leadership position in this organization? And I'll also say there's nothing worse than saying you're going to do something and not do it. Um, That's probably the quickest way to tank yourself. So just make sure that you can follow through on all your commitments.
1: Sound sound advice. Um, so, when you were booking for a nonprofit and you're looking for a speaker, would you would you always go like What would your go to? Would you always go to relationship referrals, your own network, and go? Oh, I already know someone. Was there ever a time when someone would reach out to you or um, someone got recommended to you that wasn't really? How do I say it? Wasn't really a referral like you know like Hey, we're talking, we're building a relationship. And then, and that happens. But you know, maybe your team, someone goes, "Oh, I ran across this speaker somewhere, and you should see them." How else would you find out about a speaker to bring them in for a nonprofit event outside of just friends, network, and and connections? Or was that always what you did?
0: Um, that's a part of it, but it's also we would go out to our network and say, "Hey, have you seen anyone lately that fits this X Y Z topic?" Um, because when I'm booking speakers. I look at topic first, right? Who's the expert in this very specific area? Um, And then I start looking at, okay, so we've got these five speakers based on topic. Great. Now I want to hear them, right? So one of the key things that I find so frustrating is I have to dig to find a speaker reel on an individual. So, you know, having a speaker reel on your website or on a YouTube channel is gold, Um, that speaker reel is going to help me very quickly identify if you are an individual to put on my stage. Um, And I think that that's a key distinction between an only local speaker versus a speaker that's starting to get known, you know, either in a a specific area or across the country is you have to have that speaker reel.
1: And if you're starting off even would you, and I'm I'm curious your take, right? I have my own opinion, but what would you see if someone's starting off, and they're kind of a newer speaker, but they're really good on that topic, right? Let's say they know that topic mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, maybe you've only done one or two talks on that, but you're getting rolling. You, I don't have a speaker reel yet. I need to wait till I have a zillion clips. Even if you have a clip from a talk, you have a 10 minute clip, or you have a clip that maybe someone can Let's say you did a 30-minute talk somewhere and you get someone on Fiverr or a friend of yours to cut it down and make it into a five-minute uh, you know, fade-in, fade-out kind of a thing. Would that still be something that you can see as a speaker reel or would you, would you see limited experience as worse than no experience? Or would, it, would you put everything you can out there? What's your take on that, if that makes sense?
0: I think it depends upon the stage you're trying to get on, right? So for for, for a small local um, item, you know, having just even having, you know, on my MacBook, I videoed something and put it out there so that there's something out there of me speaking um, is incredibly important. And I'll name right now, I had, um, I had a speaker reel done. It's not quite finished yet. So what I have out there right now is clips that are not to a professional quality, but it's still showing the quality of you know, my speaking, even though the video itself isn't the professional quality. So don't let that stop you. Um, and most of them now, most of the RFPs and the things that are out there, even the emails is we want to see a video.
1: So RFP, request for proposal. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah, so RFPs—the request for proposals—is a lot of times, especially for the bigger ones like state sherm conferences, the Society for Human Resource Management, or you know the, the larger associations—they are going to ask for a request for a proposal, which does include three references, which includes you know some sort of video reel, um, and includes your top. Typically, it includes your top three kind of items that will be covered within your talk. Um, and so, you know, just be prepared to show those those things and have that go back to that specific organization, so that they can um, see who you are um, as a speaker.
1: So again, if you're starting off, one of the things you know, to what you what should we focus on in the beginning? It's like, look, get out there and talk anywhere, anyhow, and film the dang thing. Get mm-hmm. some clips and have those ready. You got to have something. No one you're not going to get yourself booked on any stage, no matter what it is. You know, again, small, local, maybe, but like anything that you're going to get paid for, you're not going to get booked if they can't see you. If they've never, if they have no idea what they're getting. And again, same thing for every media. You know, people, you know, in the TV world, they want to go on the Today Show and they want to go on Good Morning America. You're never going to get booked on the Today Show if you don't have, I mean, 30, 40 clips of local TV in smaller audiences where they can see, okay, this person's a proven commodity. And the same thing goes for getting booked on a larger stage, a big association, you want to get a, a five thousand, fifteen thousand dollars keynote fee. Not a chance if you have zero credibility. So we're talking about building the credibility in the beginning. I think it's so so important. Let's pivot a little bit as we kind of start winding down in our time together, Tracy. On you launching an E Women Network chapter. I love this because it's sounds like it. I mean, you eat your own cooking. You know, as Keith Cunningham from Texas would say, a great business mentor, you eat your own cooking because you talk about being involved in local community, um, being a part of different associations, networking groups, and then serving in leadership as quickly as you can to be known. And that's actually how we got introduced through um, a, a mutual friend who's also an eWomen Network chapter leader uh, or chapter president. What, what's the official name for this?
0: Managing director.
1: You are the managing director. I, I should have that down by now. <laughs> You're the eWomen Network managing director for Beloit, Wisconsin. So um, what sparked you saying, I want to decide to? Did you launch this? Was it already there and you took over managing director? Or is this starting from scratch with you?
0: I started from scratch. So there was not a chapter here. Um, there was a chapter in Milwaukee, which is Jamie's chapter. Um, and so... When I was introduced to eWomen Network and specifically to Jamie, I loved their mission. And their mission is supporting 1 million women um, generate 1 million in annual revenue. Um, And they have a complete success system on how to go about doing that. And I was really intrigued with that. But I didn't want to drive an hour and 20 minutes every time to connect, right? And I knew I had the connections in my local community. And I knew there was a ton of people here that I didn't yet know. Um, And I said, hey, I just want to start one. Um, and with my nonprofit background, with my background in fund development and marketing, and just being that natural connector that I am, I'm like, I can do this. And so, you know, that's really how I, you know, I just launched it. And, and I think.
1: And as we record this, you, I mean, you literally launched it four or five months ago, um, taken off real well. So, congratulations. It's awesome. Thank um, you. Now you part of how eWomen network, and we're over the course of the year in the podcast, we're going to have you know a handful of managing directors from eWomen, and we have all different kinds of networking groups to you know sort of to represent like, hey, here's how this organization works. And the idea is I want you as you're listening to this, I, I want you to learn from Tracy, if you want to get involved in e-Women, whether it's as a managing director or especially to get booked, um, how many times a year do you bring a speaker into your because you do monthly chapter meetings? And I realize there's, is there one or two months a year that you don't have one because of conferences and things? Actually, how many do you do a year? 12. You do do 12 a year. Okay. Yes. How many speakers do you have out a year?
0: We have one speaker for every meeting.
1: Okay. So there's no meetings that you have like an in-house thing or something like that going on. You always have a different speaker every month. So you have 12 speakers throughout the year. Correct. Okay. And are they always people that are in eWomen network? Do you have like other people like that, or are you looking for a speaker on a particular topic that your membership uh, demographic is going to love and you're going to bring that person in? Tell me a little bit about how speaker selection works and who you're looking for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the preference is always an Woman Network member. And eWoman Network has been amazing at creating a speaker platform where they actually have something called a pro speaker. Yes, you're buying into that, Um, But to become a pro speaker, you're buying into it, but then you're also putting all your speaker profile, your key talks out on that eWomen Network pro speaker website, and then they're sharing that across the country. So as a managing director, that's one of the key things I go to is I go to that speaker that pro speaker network. And that's what I'm looking at. I'm also talking with other managing directors and we rate the speakers that come into our chapters, right? Is that an
1: official rating or is it an unofficial rating where you say, Hey, he was kind of a three.
0: Yeah, it's really an unofficial rating, right? I mean, it's kind of for us. (laughs) So,
1: so there's not, there's not like a a website where people, it's not like a Yelp review.
0: No, no. Okay. Okay. Good. (laughs) Um, yeah, but, the key here is you get twenty minutes. The goal is give first. I mean, that's one of the the core values of EWomen Network is this give first. And so, you know, the great speakers come in and they are giving, giving, giving. They're giving their best stuff in that twenty minutes. And typically, then they're saying, if you want to, let's say that it's three tips to public speaking and you and they have 10 they're going to say if you want more drop your card and we will send you you know the the pdf of the 10 best tips to public speaking so they just got you onto their list now they can nurture and love on you right so, um, but you're not selling anything during that time
1: perfect so just to recap listen e network guys is a great place to to speak to to it's a value give first Um, It's not a sponsorship place. You're not generally at the chapters, you're not paying to speak. They also are not gonna pay a speaker budget to have you speak. Um, But again, if it's local, and like I'm looking at literally like, here's our life right now, Tracy. So you're in Beloit, that's four hours from me in Grand Rapids. There's there's Chicago, there's Grand Rapids, there's uh, Detroit, I'm sure, Ann Arbor. So there's places all around within an hour, two hour, three hour drive. There's a quick Southwest flight somewhere. Um, there's Beloit. I'm going to be at, at Jamie's up in Matt, uh, not Madison, uh, Milwaukee. There's also Madison. So just think about it. Wherever you are in the United States or wherever you are in the world for that matter, think about your closest major city. There's probably a chapter of one, whether it's e-women or something similar, there's many different organizations that are similar to this where they have a national presence in your country. And then they have local chapters ran independently in a way, but they're all connected so this is like a gold mine of relationship connection uh, that you need to go after. Go after that first one first, it'll be so, so good. And as long as you, again, you, you need to have some kind of a back funnel. You need to have something that you can, give for, you can give value, give something for free, bring them into your list. And you know, one of my speaker trainer friends, she always talks about uh, RV Robinson. I'll give a little shout out to RV in California. She's phenomenal. And she always talks about, listen, don't sell anything. Her mentality is don't sell anything for the first year first five years just build your list just get your experience and there's there's definitely some credibility to that just build a list connect with the people and they'll begin to funnel through different programs products and services you have um do you ever book anyone outside of the e-women um pro speaker like thing
0: yeah i do and Typically, when I do that, I'm doing that for my own events. So I just held an event called Love Your Biz. Oh, yeah.
1: Let's talk about that real quick. Yeah.
0: So I did an event called Love Your Biz. We will be doing another one next year because it was amazing. And that will be on February 18th in Beloit of 2020. Um, But with that, I was very specifically looking for experts in specific areas to support um, solopreneurs or small business owners. This was unpaid, right? They actually paid to be there there um and
1: the, the participants paid or the speakers paid or both
0: this both they both okay, paid great. to be there so um, so
1: you had some sponsorship speakers come in they paid something for the exposure and then they got a chance to speak which is great
0: correct, and, correct. You, and you had
1: and part of you had a paying participants correct do you find was that of was that of better value for the speakers having the paid participants versus free I'm sure I know the answer, but I'm just curious your your take Absolutely. on that.
0: Absolutely, and here's why: because you're bringing quality individuals into the room. When it's free, typically people show up and they're not willing to invest. When you have a you know a buy-in fee, so this was ninety-seven dollars for the participant to attend for the entire day, um, and it was lunch. It was at. Um, Ironworks Hotel in downtown Beloit, right on the river. So, very high scale, right? So, $97 to attend for the day those individuals bought, right? And what I did is I vetted who was coming into the room. So we were making sure that the individuals that were there as participants needed the things that the speakers, you know, offered. And so, you know, just the stories and the transactions that have already happened since then is amazing. I think every single person in that room walked away with one valuable connection and at least one, if not three or four leads. Um, and that in and of itself is gold because you look at what is the value of one one new client.
1: And you got to answer that question. If you know the value of one new client, you know, in fact, that's a question that if you cannot answer that, my suggestion is do not pay for a stage, do not pay to sponsor an event until you know exactly what that answer is because then you can do your ROI, right? Your return on investment and say, like, I know I can pay up to $100 per head. So if I had a room of 100 qualified people, I could pay $10,000 to sponsor that event because I know exactly the percentage return I'll receive back from there, right? It's, a, it's right. at least a 5X in that case. And hopefully, you know, if I do well, it's more like a, a 7 to 10X, but minimum will be 5 and, and that makes sense. Tracy- right. Uh, final, final thought on that. I know we're coming to, to the twilight here and we got to get wrapped up and get you on with your day. Thank you for sharing everything so openly. Uh, this has been phenomenal. I'm going to write up some great show notes. Uh, tell me any, any final kind of thoughts or advice for, for speakers out there. Uh, what's next for you?
0: Yeah. So one final thought is, don't be afraid to go after that impossible dream. So even if it seems impossible, break it down into what are the smaller steps to get on that big stage. Like one of my dreams is I want to speak at the National Sherm Conference. So what are, I'm taking the little steps to get there. So So always know that what are those little steps you can take to get to the big dreams and go after it.
1: Well, well said. Follow your dream just like Tracy Shirk has done. Guys, you can follow Tracy. Her her name is spelled Shirk, S-C-H-E-R-C-K. Lots of C's in there, but it's Tracy Shirk, S-C-H-E-R-C-K. And you can follow her at LinkedIn at Tracy Shirk, uh, certainly for all of the HR and and booking needs she has at shirkconsulting.com. S-C-H-E-R-C-K, consulting.com. She has a really cool, you mentioned it earlier, a four-part video training uh, for HR for small business, how you can get ahead of the curve, how you can avoid IRS and tax issues with independent contractors. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal training. It's free. If you go to shirtconsulting.com, if you have any kind of a business from a solopreneur on up, make sure you check that out. You can also follow her at Facebook at HR Innovates. Uh, and you can find her every single month in Beloit, Wisconsin, running the eWomen Network chapter. Or if prior learning systems is coming to your town, there's a good chance uh, in the Midwest you might get Tracy Shirk. Tracy, thanks so much for coming on the show. I sure appreciate it and looking forward to, uh, to connecting more when I come out to Beloit.
0: Sounds great. Thanks, Matt.
1: All right, guys, that's the show for today, for this week. Hope that was valuable for you, man. So many good nuggets. Remember, um, go back and listen to this one again. This was packed full of value. We We talk about how to get experience as a corporate trainer for another speaker company with getting more speaking experience with no risk. We talk about how to get booked in your local community joining relevant associations, serving in leadership roles. That's a huge takeaway I want you to get and how to get more and more connections and then how to get booked at local chapters for these organizations, uh, by building your list to sell future programs, products, and services. Uh, listen to it again and, you know, pick one thing as a minimum and apply that this week, uh, get out there and get booked. See you next week.